In Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal, and this is a special episode of the Vine Pair Podcast, where I have the distinct pleasure of being joined by two people who know a whole lot more about wine than I do, which is always a pleasure for me. Uh, and that would be Susan Lin, a master of wine, and David Keck, a master sommelier. Susan, first, let's start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you do these days? Hi, Zach. Thank you so much for having me on. Of and course. I am sure that you know way more about wine than you're letting on. <laughs> Many of our <laughs> listeners, too. Well, this, the host has to sandbag a little bit. You know. <laughs> uh, my name is Susan Lin, and uh, I am master of wine, was named this year, actually. And I am the head of wine expertise for fine wine online retailer, Belmont Wine Exchange. And in my individual work, I specialize in wine and music experiences. My background is in music. That's something that unites the two of you, isn't it, a little bit? Yes, it that does. True. Very cool. And how about you, David? Yeah, so I um, I currently live in uh, the great metropolis of Cambridge, Vermont, where I am right now growing uh, hybrid varieties and producing wine and also working with a small distributor named Vermont Wine Shepherd, but moved back to my home state just at the beginning, actually, of the pandemic uh, from Houston, Texas, where I was a partner in a hospitality group and became a master sommelier in 2016 and have been working as a sommelier since, I guess, 2010, but in hospitality since, I don't know, 1998 or something like that when I started bartending. So I sort of grew in my wine knowledge over time and uh, was an opera singer for about 10 years, which uh, Susan and I have that similar musical background which also kind of ties, I think, directly into love of wine. So, yeah, yeah, I can imagine there there being some crossovers. Although I will freely cop to being neither musically talented nor uh, experienced. So we'll we'll stick to <laughs> wine for this conversation, and specifically uh, the wines of the Loire Valley. And I want to start with this kind of broad question for the both of you, because the Loire to me is a region in France that is both. In some sense, is very well known by people who are into wine. There are some very famous wines and appellations there within, but it's also a, a sizable region with a lot of differences, both in terms of the the growing conditions and, of course, what is grown and made there. So maybe, David, starting with you, can you kind of walk us from whatever direction makes most sense? I would generally start, you know, in the west with the at the mouth of the river. In, uh, on the Atlantic, but but if you want to start in the in the middle of the country, you you take your pick. Kind of what are we talking about here as we work our way through the Loire? Sure, I mean I think that one of the things that draws me to the Loire Valley is the diversity of soil types, grape varieties, wine styles. Starting at the the coast in the Atlantic, basically at the Atlantic Ocean, where the Loire Valley empties into the Atlantic. You know we've got. One sort of very specific soil type, we see a little bit more um, sort of hard rocks and, and some volcanic uh, rocks as well. But And then, you know, planted with Melon de Bourgogne and then move inland to Chenin Blanc and uh, some amazing Cabernet Franc and, and moving into sort of more sedimentary soils. And then we get into the Paris Basin and famously uh, into, you know, Soil types that we often associate with Burgundy, we're talking Camerigian soils and a lot of uh, really beautiful limestone and clay. And um, and then continue sort of moving that direction into the land of Sauvignon Blanc and um, in the central vineyards. And the Loire Valley is massive and the river itself is extremely long. And so when you go all the way to the headwaters of the Loire River, you're really in the Massif Central in the middle of France. And so um, the fact that it covers so many different styles and soil types and uh, and grape varieties isn't surprising, but it also gives us a lot to work with when we're talking about the Loire Valley. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and obviously, you know, I asked you to speed through a very large region with a lot of different <laughs> appellations and varieties in like two minutes. So please understand that um, there's a lot more complexity that we'll dive into uh, as we go along in this podcast. But Susan, I wanted to start maybe with, you know, this kind of a broad overview, not so geographically oriented, but just in terms of production. When we talk about the Loire, are we talking about a white wine region, a red wine region, a little bit of everything? Like, like if people are out there looking for wines from the Loire Valley, what what kinds of wines can they find? First of all, Dave, David, bravo on your summary. That was fantastic. And <laughs> it, it just <laughs> dovetails right into the different regions of the Loire Valley offer such a diversity of styles and characters. I think we're going to come back to that word many times, diversity and character um, from the mouth of the river Peinante through anjou saumur Touraine and the Centre-Loire where you find you know, Sancerre and those types of points that people hear about a lot. But within each region, there is diversity as well. I mean, if you take the Peinante region, home to that wonderful grape, Melon de Bourgogne, there are five appellations in the Peinante alone, but there's no reason for intimidation because the price points of these wines make it easy to explore different styles from different appellations and get to know them. And I, you have to say, you know, this is not just a white wine region. This is not just a red wine region, not just a sparkling wine region. It has something for everyone. And mentioning David and I coming from a musical background, but anybody who appreciates music, I think, can can uh, this will resonate with them. Um, the regions and wines of the Loire Valley are like the musicians of a really, really great band, you know, mm. top chamber orchestra, jazz ensemble or any, you know, tight rock band. They comprise a small group of expert musicians who are at the top of their game. And they play beautifully as soloists, but also seamlessly as an ensemble. And I think we can look at the Loire and its wines in that way, because each of the regions offers its own sort of shining stars. Like we have a beautiful Cabernet Franc um, in the, the Saint-Michel-Champigny region. We have beautiful sparkling wines everywhere. I mean, Command de Loire is, is, is a spectacular sparkling possibility for anybody who's looking for a quality sparkling wine but doesn't want to spend all of their budget on, on wine. Um, and that can be said for all the other wines, everything from everyday drinking, fun and fruity and fresh to some more wines of meditation, richer and and just more even collectible for all price points and all tastes. So there really is something for everyone. It really, truly is the Garden of France. I mean, the Loire Valley, as it has been called, not just for its agricultural diversity, its wine diversity, and just so much more. It's also a strikingly beautiful region. I mean, there are obviously many beautiful parts of France, but having visited there, as I'm sure the both of you have as well, the Loire is famous for many things. And, and one you didn't mention because it's not specifically the provenance of wine is the many chateaux that line the, the Loire and other rivers in the area and are and scattered throughout the, the region, which is well worth a visit. And we'll come back to visiting in a moment. But, but actually, Susan, I wanted to ask you a question about something you mentioned before, which is this idea of, you know, the various whether they're varieties or or appellations within the the broader Loire as being uh, you know sort of musicians in a band or in a let's say a chamber orchestra because we're talking about a lot of appellations here <laughs> i think that's a good point and yet and yet it is important to note that at least in terms of prestige there are let's say the first chair violins of the region for people who whose first point is like, I want to taste the classics, the benchmarks, what are some appellations to be aware of in the Loire that they should be looking for? And maybe just a little bit about what they can expect stylistically. Oh, goodness. Well, they've 
They've got to, there's several choices there <laughs> because there's so much diversity here. But uh, if they haven't tried um, uh, Muscadet from the Pays Nantes, you must start at the mouth of the river there, right? The Atlantic, um, just beautiful wines at, at uh, affordable price points. The wines that are going to be most available probably are from the Appellation uh, Muscadet Sèvres et Men. And you will find some wonderful wines here that will go with shellfish. They could go by themselves. Just beautiful white wines from Melon de Bourgogne. And uh, Domaine de la Cure is um, one of the pioneers of quality in Muscadet winemaking. They've been practicing organic farming for 40 years and biodynamic. And it's just one of many producers that you can find. If you want to dip into Cabernet Franc, the region of Saumur is just fantastic. You can go with uh, um, Saumur Champigny if you want uh, Cabernet Franc. You might have heard from, from as a great variety from Bordeaux, but here it really shines as, again, a soloist here, if you want to talk about the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is just so great for uh, any time of the year, but I think they're perfect for the holidays, to be mm-hmm. honest, because it's served at lightly chilled or room temperature, drink it with red meat or on its own. I think Cabernet Franc from the Loire can do it all and do it well. Like, for example, uh, Domaine du Réfaux Chinon is a wonderful wine. Again, the Appellation Chinon displays that classic Slightly green, peppery nose, carrying over to the palate, mingling with earthy light spice, cranberries, bright red fruit. It's perfect red for those chilly, chilly winter nights and uh, can pair with a wide variety of dishes. And so definitely give those a try as well. And moving on to the Saint-Polar or the Upper Loire, I mean, of course, people have heard of uh, Sancerre. I'm sure they're quite familiar with that. But uh, how about Sancerre Rouge, right? Mm. Pinot Noir. Who says uh, only French Pinot Noir can find its home in Burgundy? Well, yes. there's choices here. And they're fortunately at a price point that is very, very easy to have a low barrier to entry to say, okay, let's try this and not have to you know, use all our budget on wine for this bottle. 100% Pinot Noir is Beautiful, earthy flavors, red fruit and plum. Um, let's see, who's a producer that I could come up with that I like? Um, Domaine Thomas et Fils, Saint-Saint-Rouge, their Terre Blanche. It's like, I'm pretty sure it's under 20, $25 or under. I mean, that's just wonderful. Yeah. It pairs perfectly with savory fall winter dishes such as coco vin, lamb stew. And I personally love um, this with uh, my favorite fried rice that I like to make at home with like oh. egg, barbecue pork, scallions, peas, grated gingers, onions, and mushrooms. And the Sancerre Rouge can just make that meal that much more fun. Fantastic. There's so many more that I could say, but I'll let David talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, I was going to ask you to actually to focus in on a different variety that Susan didn't mention, which is Chenin Blanc, and maybe talk a little bit about it. Because to me, when, when I was first getting started in my wine journey, uh, Chenin Blanc from the Loire was one of the first white wines that really clicked for me as like, oh, I see what all the fuss is about. So, you know, I have a certain personal affinity for it, but maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the appellations in the Loire that focus on Chenin Blanc, and maybe if there are some differences as we move our way through the that part of the region. Absolutely. I, so years ago, I was running a, a little wine bar in Houston, and I decided that I would do a Chenin focused list and um, have the hashtag Chenin Blanc Honky Tonk Badonkadonk at the top because I thought that was fun. <laughs> and uh, little did I know I'd open a Honky Tonk later, but um, but I love Chenin. I think Chenin is just one of the, the truly great varieties in the world for expression of terroir and sense of place. And in the Loire Valley, it really is a, a key player in the sense that it makes truly spectacular uh, sparkling wines. It makes beautiful, still dry white wines. It makes 
beautiful, rich, full-bodied white wines. It makes amazing sweet wines, and um, and they're just uh, amazing producers all over. I think if you're looking for sparkling wines, um, you know there are producers of Cremant de Loire all over, and uh, and Chenin plays a strong role for a lot of them. I love Domaine du Vikings, really beautiful sparkling wine from the region of Vouvray which is also probably the most famous region for Chenin Blanc in the Loire Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, whether deservedly or not, I'm not making a plug for it, but, I, <laughs> but Bouvray is a wonderful place to, uh, to find sparkling, but also dry wines, and then really famously some off-dry Chenin Blanc. Domaine Huet is a classic producer there. But I also think, um, you know, for those that are looking for a dry version of Chenin Blanc, Sauvignon is an appellation that uh, is really spectacular, has a lot of volcanic influence and really interesting kind of flinty character. Um, I love Chateau Soucherie does an amazing job. And actually, uh, Susan and I were, you know, doing the Loire Valley Buyers Selection competition recently in which we tasted a whole host of Chenin Blanc. And Soucherie's Patrimoine, which was the, their um, sweet wine, actually, from Coteau du Léon, got top marks and is really a, a spectacular wine. And I bring it up mainly because I think Chenin, when it's sweet, has so much acidity that it creates these beautifully balanced sweet wines. So I, I have a love affair with Chenin. I just feel like it, 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 I can find the Chenin for anyone, right? <laughs> Yeah, I would I would echo that sentiment. And I think what's very exciting about what you see in the Loire, as regards not just Chenin Blanc, I think with a, a number of other uh, varieties and styles, but that there is, you know, we, we sometimes are guilty, maybe not the two of you, but I think in the wine community more broadly of sort of lumping these things together. But really, as you as you look at some of these different appellations throughout that sort of, you know, middle-ish part of the of the war, there's really a lot of differences, whether you're looking at Semur further to the West or these, Amazing. you know, yep. as you said, uh, Sauvignon or Vouvray, there's a lot going on there. And, and a lot of different winemakers, you know, as you said, kind of approaching the variety differently, whether they're looking to make sparkling wine, whether they're looking to make a really kind of lean, acid-driven, totally dry style, something a little bit off dry, or even sometimes, you know, something that's been barrel aged and shows a little bit more weight and, and sort of structure in that regard. Um, it's, it's a, you know, we could have a whole podcast about Chenin Blanc, but we'll 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 switch uh, <laughs> gears a little bit here. So another thing that I love about the Loire is that, and and Susan, you kind of hit on this both with when talking about Cabernet Franc and about Pinot Noir. But it's kind of this interesting place where like these varieties that we associate with maybe other parts of France pop up and do really interesting things, where you can see the kind of connection to maybe their more famous home in another part of France, but they're sort of also distinctly um, from the Loire. So you you pick, Susan, would you rather talk about Gamay or Malbec in the Loire? Ooh, that's a tough choice. You can um, also talk about both. I don't, I don't mean to make you pick. <laughs> because sometimes they come together as partners too, which That's is lovely. I mean, we okay. One thing that we we didn't mention um, yet, which I'm happy to just bring up. There's so much to say. Is I mean, Please. Rose, yes. Rose. <laughs> I mean, the Loire <laughs> offers so much with Rose, and the the Loire buyer selection that David and I participated in this earlier this year just had a wealth of beautiful uh, rosé wines from the Loire Valley at beautiful price points. I mean, just really, these are wines that you can open every day, um, what the French might call the vin de copain, which is a wine that you open with friends and you want to do it frequently. And uh, you can because they're really affordable, they're light, they're 
quite light, not only in terms of their, their body, but also in, in terms of alcohol. And so, you know, you can, you, you don't have to feel like you're going to get clobbered over the head if you've had a bit and you can have it with food or by itself, everything from the poolside party to the winter aperitif. Um, there's really something for everybody there. And I think this is where Gamay and, uh, and Malbec can really, really shine as well. Also within sparkling wines too. Mm-hmm. And there's so many rosé sparkling wines and, I love that David mentioned the sparkling Vouvray um, earlier for the Chenin Blanc grape, but there's also so many, so many uh, sparkling wines done in a rosé and, and brut in a dry style, mm-hmm. like made from Cabernet Franc, made from, from Malbec, made from Gamay. Some of them are 15 to $20. I mean, like Diamant de Loire, um, non-vintage, uh, Cuvée, Pink Star, Rosé, Brut, Cabernet Franc. I mean, it, it's ripe, creamy, so attractive. The texture and the red fruit flavors are crisp and the acidity is just bright. It's refreshing. You can just drink it now and just enjoy it and just enjoy life. You know, it's kind of one of those wines that I think uh, Gamay and uh, and Malbec, again, shine in a way at the Loire Valley that, you know, even though they're associated with other uh, wine regions, say, you know, of course, Beaujolais for Gamay and um, Malbec in Bordeaux, and also, of course, in Argentina. But it's it's really a different expression and one that is really just beautiful and easy to enjoy. You can really try it without feeling like, okay, you know, I just spent $100 on a bottle of wine. What am mm-hmm. I going to think of this? No, <laughs> no, you can really buy several bottles and, you know, and still be under, <laughs> under $30, $50, right? You know, it's yeah. great. Absolutely. David, I wanted to ask you, you know, I guess you're, I keep going to you for the, uh, for the white wine regions. I don't really know why, um, but, but, uh, this was not planned. It's just kind of how things are breaking. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, a little more because I do think it merits a little more discussion about Sauvignon Blanc and Sancerre in particular, um, and, and some of the other sort of surrounding appellations that also specialize in Sauvignon Blanc, because I think that, I mean, this, this perception could be wrong. I apologize, but my perception is that despite the incredible association of quality with Sancerre, which is 100% deserved, that Sauvignon Blanc has kind of become this grape of the world now in a way that is fine and and understandable. And obviously, there are people making great Sauvignon Blanc in many, many parts of not just in France, but in, in the world over. But what is it about this part of the Loire Valley that makes the Sauvignon Blanc here distinctive and makes it you know, really worth seeking out because sure. in a little bit of a contrast to what Susan was saying about some of these sparkling wines, you do a little bit pay a premium for Sancerre and for some of the Sauvignon Blanc from the Loire Valley. So, and I, and I want to be clear on this point, it's a deserved premium, but, but, but why? Sure. I mean, I think that it is when we're talking about top regions for any specific grape variety, um, they are defined by having a style that is just different than everywhere else, right? Because mm-hmm. there is something about Loire Valley Sauvignon Blanc that sets it apart from New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, from Sauvignon Blanc from Bordeaux, or even Sauvignon Blanc from like Napa or Sonoma, another classic place for growing Sauvignon Blanc at this point. And I think each of them has their own distinct markers and stylistic elements. And I think what sets Loire Valley Sauvignon Blanc apart is one that it tends not to see oak. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. it sees a little bit, but um, but it's not sort of, I guess, traditionally heavily oaked, at least not seeing a bunch of new oak. So it tends to be on the um, crisper, more mineral-driven side of that thing. But then also, 
you know, the other probably most purchased region for Sauvignon Blanc right now is New Zealand, right? And New Zealand sees 300 days of sunlight a year, at least in Marlborough, mm-hmm. where, where it's famous. So in Sancerre, Puy Fume, and honestly, a lot of the Touraine where they're growing Sauvignon Blanc, it's planted in soil types that are very specific to that region, a lot of calcareous soil, a lot of limestone, and then produced without a lot of oak, except in a few exceptional cases, right? And and is really driven by that cool climate. And so I think you end up with Sauvignon Blanc that is mineral and flinty and occasionally smoky and has a very specific character for that region. I think that, you know, Sancerre obviously, uh, at least now, draws the uh, the highest dollar amount, but that also, to be fair, is still in Loire Valley perspective, right? That's still extremely yes. low for a classic and great white wine region. The average bottle of Sancerre is right around, what, $25, $30 on the shelf. That's, yeah. you know, you can't find a great bottle of Burgundy for $25 if you try, right? It's almost impossible. So, so it's still amazingly uh, reasonable. And I think when you get outside of Sancerre, you cross the river and go to Puy Fume, one of the, again, very famous and classic regions, uh, you know, made so maybe by uh, Didier Dagano for oaking mm-hmm. <laughs> Sauvignon Blanc to, to be the, yes. uh, you know, the exception to the rule there. But, you know, you can find a, an amazing bottle of wine for $15. Yeah. I wanted to kind of switch gears a little bit here from sort of talking about specific appellations and, and come back and talk a little bit about kind of something that Susan mentioned before, which is sort of how these wines perform. And obviously, we're, we're talking about a lot of different kinds of wines, a lot of different styles, varieties, etc. So it's it's going to be generalizations. That's A-OK with me. You know, how these wines perform kind of at the table. And, and you know, as we are, you know, kind of recording this and, and releasing this around the holidays, you know, this people are thinking about, you know, their Christmas dinners, they're thinking about maybe their New Year's Eve celebrations, maybe they're just thinking about that incredibly dreary January 11th, whatever day of the week that is, I'm not even going to look it up. Um, you know, what what makes these wines shine in kind of these various situations? David, maybe if you want to if you want to start with the holidays, and then we'll let, we'll let Susan handle sure. the dreary January. Because <laughs> she lives somewhere where I don't think it's dreary all that often. You and I, David, we live places where it does get dreary. <laughs> we, we live in a, a colder climate. So, yes. Um, one of the great aspects of Loire Valley wines overall is their freshness and brightness and the, the sparkling acidity. Even when the wines are older and so many of these appellations produce wines that age spectacularly well, Chinon, Saumur, even Muscadet ages really, really beautifully. You know, even when they get older, you still have that bright, fresh, almost there's like a sparkle in the eye of the wines from the Loire Valley, right? There's humor to them and, and brightness. And I think when we're talking about holiday wines, I always at the at the table I'm looking for something that A can pair with a bunch of different cuisine because the holiday tables usually don't just have one thing that you're pairing with. You're usually pairing with a whole spectrum of uh dishes. And mm-hmm. um you want something that's refreshing and and has sort of mouthwatering acidity so that you're refreshed by your wine, not just sort of constantly um, you know, not diving deep into a glass that's 15% alcohol and has a bunch of oak and heaviness to it, right? That's just not the Loire Valley style. They're serious wines and contemplative wines, but they still have uh, levity to them. And I think that is really what I, you know, I've always been drawn to, especially, you know, writing restaurant lists and, um, and talking to people mm-hmm. about what they should drink. If you're having, you know, a roast or red meat, you know, famously for Christmas or any of the holidays this time of year, you know, Cabernet Franc is a, a wonderful pairing simply because it has that, it has richness, it has depth to it, but it also has bright acidity and will pair nicely with the other dishes that surround the roast, right? Yeah. 
And how about for just that, you know, as mentioned, dreary, <laughs> whatever day of the week, January 11th is, Susan. Oh, gosh. Oh, but you know what? What about a little bit of wine to make that dreary day that much brighter, right? <laughs> exactly. So even San Francisco Bay Area does get some dreary days, but I'm not That's complaining true. whatsoever. <laughs> and it's it's all about perspective. And, and uh, I think the lore is just as David put so beautifully, um, the the absolute uh, freshness, the brightness, and yet the capacity for richness. Um, and if you want a wine to enjoy immediately or, or you know, something to sell her, there's something for you. I mean, the, if there was a, a, a Grand Cru, Premier Cru, you know, designation in the Loire Valley, which it doesn't, I mean, there are certainly examples that could be just as, as ageable as David mentioned. And for the dreary days, wow, well, you know, you could pair um, Loire Valley wines with just about anything that you could come up with, even if you're just, you know, getting takeout and getting this awesome um, burrito uh, yeah. with like carne asada and just a, a rosé from Gamay would just have this ripe red berry and beautiful freshness and bright acidity that would just lend lift uh, and joy to, to, to that burrito like never before, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm usually pretty joyous when I'm having a burrito, but there can always be more joy. I'm yes, with you there. there's always more joy to food. And, and then, <laughs> you know, if you, you know, speaking of that kind of winter weather, there's always Valentine's Day, you know, Chinese mm-hmm. New Year, I mean, Lunar New Year, things like that. And, you know, when you have a big banquet like that, especially with like kind of Asian style gatherings where there are, as David mentioned, a ton of different dishes on the table and they're still coming and they're still coming. You want wines that you don't want to, again, um, you know, kind of make you feel overwhelmed by the time the second, uh, you know, dish comes in uh, or before you've gotten to, you know, the, the, the mushu pork or the Peking duck or something like that. You know, you want wines that you can, you can continue to enjoy throughout a long dinner and a wonderful dinner. And so Loire Valley wines really do offer that everything, you know, starting from a sparkling, um, sparkling bouvray, sparkling, you know, rosé for made from any of those wonderful red grapes that we had talked about and moving into a nice light Anjou, you know, uh, Chenin Blanc, mm-hmm. um, that could be for a nice banquet because those price points are perfect for by the case. Yep. celebrations, you know, and yes. then moving, <laughs> yes, moving into the Cabernet Franc, which honestly, I think is just with its, its pepperiness, its brightness, um, the, the, the red cranberry fruit, the slight smokiness that you get um, in, in Salmira and the Torren regions are just so great with this wonderful a smoky barbecue sauce that mm-hmm. is popular in a lot of Asian cooking and in Chinese it's called sha cha, like S H A C H A. And it's, it's this really, really smoky, um, textured, uh, barbecue sauce that goes on any kind of meat, or it could just mm-hmm. be vegetarian, like eggplant and broccolini, you name it. I mean, that is going to be so great for roast or anything else. And it's just so great that you can have many different wines that can pair with everything in your meal and also not overwhelm you throughout the evening. Excellent. Two of you have mentioned a couple times this uh, Loire buyer selection. Can you maybe, David and, and Susan both, uh, starting with you, David, a little bit about kind of what this process was and then how people can actually utilize what the two of you and others have, have selected? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it was a funny during the uh, pandemic. It was one of the first times a lot of us had actually gotten together to taste wine uh, in person, which is a very different process than judging wines uh, from afar or uh, in a somewhat disconnected Zoom format. So it was 
a wonderful opportunity to actually spend time together in New York and taste uh, a bunch of Loire Valley wines. And um, we were paired off with uh, another colleague. And uh, you can go to, I guess, both uh, the way to find these wines, but also learn more about it. I guess you could go to LoireValleyWine.com to the Loire Buyer Selection and sort of see who was tasting because they're really some spectacular colleagues that I think Susan and I were very um, blessed to hang out with these folks. And then we, you know, paired off and tasted through a bunch of wines in a, in a couple of days to really, um, you know, determine what of those wines. We tasted everything blind and um, and there was a lot of discussion to determine whether we thought the wines were classic for the region, classic for the grape variety, and whether they were wines that would play well at table and would they work well in a restaurant setting and would we recommend them to a guest in a retail shop and really looking at the viability. So every wine was discussed uh, at length and then, you know, not knowing any of them actually. And then getting to find out at the end and see some of our favorite producers, which is always nice uh, to have a little confirmation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, Susan, I, I suppose it's it's great that people have that resource of the Loire Buyer Selection, which is, as you mentioned, David, is on uh, LoireValleyWine.com. But for people who maybe want to explore this with, um, you know, their local wine shop or, or whatever, are, any other tips you can give people for kind of looking for these wines more generally as we kind of uh, wrap things up? Well, just make yourself make it known to your to your local retail wine shop or, you know, anybody that uh, you're looking for wines from the Loire Valley. I mean, let people know that you're interested in it. I mean, the the more that you let people know that <laughs> you want these wines, the more they'll be for all of us here stateside. So, you know, let's keep that going. Um, but uh, for sure, go to the go to LoireValleyWine.com slash lore buyer selection and but you'll find it from the main link and you can actually see the list of wines that david and i and our esteemed colleagues tasted blind and and rated you can see the scores and then there's information that you could download and you can also uh, there's a little link that you can click on to see availability uh, for this wine so you can see whether you can you can get that or not, or, you know, just learn about these producers. I mean, they're all right here on the site and it's so cool for me to see, because again, like David said, it was amazing to have the reveal right at the end and to, to see what all these wines were and, and to sort of relive those memories through all the wines and that incredible experience. And so, I mean, definitely do check these out and mention these to, you know, to just even the, the buyers at your local grocery store, if your supermarket it, it sells wine or if it's available, you know, where you live, or if not, I mean, check online as well and look for Loire Valley wines. Um, and uh, they should come up with some great lists. There's some great resources out there online. Definitely make use of those. But LoireValleyWine.com has a lot of information and I highly suggest you to look there and you can get all the information you need about the different regions and the different wines and some producers. Fantastic. Well, David, Susan, thank you both so much for your time. I love talking about the wines from the Loire Valley. As I mentioned, I had a, a, I've had a wonderful time uh, exploring the region and many more enjoyable afternoons, evenings, even a morning or two, uh, enjoying the wines. <laughs> so it's a pleasure to get to chat more about them. And I look forward to continuing to do so and to checking out some of your selections on uh, the Loire Buyer's Guide. Thank you both so much. Thank you for having us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Zach. That was a blast. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. 
VinePair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tastings Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.